Job chapter number 11 tonight. Job chapter number 11. We'll begin there and read just a couple verses that give us a thought. And uh, then I give us quite a bit of introduction. Then I want to get into um, some doctrine. All right. Job chapter number 11. And we'll begin reading uh, in verse number 7. Job chapter number 11 and verse number 7. When you find your places, stand with me tonight if you can enable and honor and reverence to the reading of the word of the Lord. Job chapter number 11 and verse number 7. The Bible said, Canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty unto perfection? It is as high as heaven. What canst thou do? Deeper than hell. What canst thou know? Verse number 9, Bible says, The measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I sure love you tonight. God, I'm thankful. Lord, for the privilege, God, the honor to be back in your house. Lord, I realize there's many requests made mention tonight. No doubt there's many by unspoken requests. Lord, I pray you touch in each and every heart, each and every life. Lord, I pray to help us we study your word together. Lord, I pray that God would you illuminate our hearts to the truth of your word. Lord, I pray that uh, in the upcoming weeks we'd come to know you greater than ever before. Lord, we'll be careful tonight and give you all the praise, all the honor, and all the glory. For we ask it in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. Be seated. And thank you for standing here in Job chapter 11. We find an interesting question that uh, is phrased. Notice what the Bible said, verse 7. Canst thou by searching find out God? What a question. Here's what the Bible saying. Can you search and study and look uh, and find out who God really is? In fact, he went on to say, Canst thou find out the Almighty under perfection? What he's saying is, God, can you understand him? Can you find him out so much uh, that you understand exactly what he is? The question's answered in verse 8. Job said this, It is as high as heaven... What canst thou do? Job said, it's higher. To understand God is higher than heaven is. What can you do? In fact, he went on to say this. It's deeper than hell. What canst thou know? Verse, verse 9. The measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. Here's what Job's saying. I know you're going to fall out with me when I say it, but we're going to cover it before it's over with. Uh, but here's what I want you to see. Job is saying... You cannot really know God. That's what Job said. Here's what we'll say. We'll begin tonight. We've looked at great detail over the last several weeks. I know it's been broken up, but we've looked at the doctrines concerning Scripture. We looked at uh, the inspiration of Scripture, the illumination of Scripture, the inerrancy of Scripture, the infallibility of Scripture. We looked at all those things. And uh, that I told you last Sunday, I believe it was, that was our foundation, our building block. If we... If what we hold in our hands is not the Word of God and we get our doctrine from the Word of God, uh, uh, we better make sure we got the right thing. Isn't that right? So we've established that. Now I want to begin tonight looking at the doctrines of God the Father. Now, uh, we'll eventually look at God the Son and God the Holy Ghost for the next several weeks. I just want to look at the doctrines concerning God the Father. Now, here is what we must do. We'll begin this study uh, into the doctrines of God the Father. One question must be answered, and it's this. Is it possible to know and comprehend God the Father? Is it possible? Is it even possible 
for human minds to comprehend who God is. Is it possible for us to know and understand who and what God truly is? Can man have a knowledge of who God really is? We know that each one of us tonight, I believe with all my heart, have a desire to know God and to comprehend Him. I, I believe that. I believe we have a desire tonight to know Him and to understand Him and to know more about it. But is it possible tonight? Is it actually possible that finite man could understand and comprehend an infinite God? Is it possible? As always, uh, you've heard me say this numerous times, the best place to find answers to Bible questions is the Bible. And as far as this question of can we know God, the Bible declares two things. Let's look at them quickly. First of all, I want to say this. The Bible declares that God the Father is incomprehensible. It declares that it is impossible to know God. Watch what your Bible says. To say that he's incomprehensible is to say that the mind cannot grasp the knowledge of him. Meaning man cannot know everything about God. He's incomprehensible. Yeah. Job 11, the Bible said this. Let's read it again. Canst thou by searching find out God? Canst thou find out the Almighty and the perfection? It, talking about the knowledge of God, it is as high as heaven. What canst thou do? Deeper than hell, what canst thou know? The measure thereof is longer than the earth and broader than the sea. Job said to understand God, you'd have to understand higher than heaven. To understand God, you'd have to understand something deeper than hell. To understand God, you'd have to know something longer than the earth and broader than the sea. Job said it's impossible. What can you do? What can you know? It's bigger than our times can comprehend. The Bible declares that he is incomprehensible. In fact, turn with me if you would, book of Isaiah tonight. I'm going to read it when I get there, but you'll be turning that way, all right? Isaiah chapter 40. Isaiah chapter 40 tonight. We'll see another declaration that the Bible is in fact, or that the God the Father is in fact incomprehensible. Isaiah chapter 40, let's look in verse number 18. What a beautiful chapter Isaiah 40 is. Verse 18, here's what Isaiah said. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare, or compare unto him? Here's what he said. Who are you going to compare him to? You're going to know him. Who are you going to compare him to? How are you even going to describe him? How in the world could you possibly know him? And Who is there to compare him to? What's what he said. To whom then will you liken God? Or what likeness will you compare unto him? Job said, all right, who are you going to compare him to? Who is he going to say he's like? Who are you going to say, who are you going to use to say that's just like God? Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's right, man. Then Job said, All right, if you don't know nobody you can talk, or Isaiah said, if you don't know nobody you can't compare him to, what's something you can compare him to? Yeah. Nothing. Right. It's incomprehensible. Yeah. You can, human mind cannot comprehend who God is. Amen. So, how are we going to have three or four weeks worth of study on the doctrines of God? If we can't understand them, we can't comprehend it. How are we going to do it? Well, I told you the Bible declares two things. Number one, it declares that he is incomprehensible. Then I'm going to say this. Now, 
don't, don't lose me when I say this, all right? I, I know it's going to sound funny, but just stay with me. It declares he's incomprehensible. It declares for all that he is unknowable. But it also declares he's knowable. All right? Yep. Watch this. To say that he is knowable is to say that man can, in fact, know God. Meaning, it's possible, John, for man to know who God is and understand. Well, it's the exact opposite of what we're just saying. But that's what the Bible said. Bible said, who are you going to compare him to? Right? Yep. To know him is to know something higher than the heavens and deeper than hell and longer than the earth and broader than the sea. Who are you going to compare him to? What are you going to compare him to? But now we find the Bible said, you know it. Yeah. Right? Well, that ought not, that ought not discourage us too much. Talking about the love of God, Paul said he'd have you to know the unknowable. Yeah. That right? So I don't know to throw two people monkey rings in our plans. The Bible says it's impossible for man to know him, but then it also says you know him. Watch this. Uh, John chapter 14. Tell me about the gospel of John, if you would. I, I want you to see these tonight, and we'll, then we'll get into some things here in a minute. We won't turn too much, I promise. John chapter 14. John chapter 14, begin reading in verse number 7. John chapter 14 and verse number 7. Let's just begin reading in verse number 5. That'd be all right. Bible said Thomas said to him, now verse 1 through 4, he just gave his discourse about, let thy heart be troubled, you believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house are many mansions, but I also would have told you, I go prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again, receive unto myself that where I am there, you may be also. Whither I go, you know, and the way, you know. Verse 5, Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we not know whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? What's verse 6? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And we, we, we quote those verses down about verse 6 all the time. But what's verse 7? That's what I'm interested in tonight. The Bible said, if ye had known me, ye should have known my Father also. And from henceforth ye know him, and have seen him. Philip saith to him, Lord, show us the Father, and it sufficeth us. Same about Philip wasn't listening. Jesus said, if you've seen me and known me, you've seen him and known him. Is that right? Yeah. Philip answers that by saying, Lord, show us the Father and we'll be satisfied. What's what he said in verse 9? Jesus saith to him, Have I been so long time with you, yet hast thou not known me, Philip? He that hath seen me hath seen the Father. How sayest thou then, show us the Father? So Jesus said, If you've known me, you've known the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Now that would excite us. You say, preacher, I had never seen him with a pistol. I hadn't either, but I sure have with an eye of faith. Yeah, yeah. Is that right? Jesus said, if you've known me, you've known the Father. Is that right? Yeah. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Watch John 17. Flip over page two with me. John 17, verse number one. John 17, verse number one. Watch what your Bible said. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. So that's given him power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. Watch verse 3, boy, I like this. And this is life eternal. So, preacher, what's it mean to have eternal life? The Lord Himself is going to give you the definition. That they 
might know thee. Now Job said, who can know God? But Jesus is speaking. Look at what he said. Verse number one. These words spake Jesus in his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. He's talking to God the Father. Leon, he said, this is life eternal, that they may know thee. You know what it is to have eternal life? To know God the Father. That's what Jesus said. Watch this. That they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. What is it to have eternal life? To know God the Father and God the Son. That's what Jesus said in verse number three. So how is it, if it's, in, if it's incomprehensible, how can Jesus say to have eternal life to know God the Father? That's not what your Bible said. Verse three, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God. Jesus said you know him. Yep. Is that right? Job and Isaiah said it's impossible. Who are you going to compare him to? But Jesus said, if you've got life, everlasting life, you've got eternal life. The fact, the fact, what is eternal life? It's to know God the Father and God the Son, right? Yeah. So what happened? How do we answer that? Turn to 1 John tonight. 1 John chapter 5. Now I know it seems like we're going around the world, but I promise you, we got to answer this before we look at the Doctrines of God, all right? 1 John chapter 5, look with me in verse number 20. 1 John chapter 5 and verse number 20. John said this, And we know that the Son of God is come. Now watch this next little phrase. And hath given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. And we are in him that is true, even in his son, Jesus Christ. This is the true God, which is phrased, and eternal life. First John 5, 20, John answers what, how we can have this eternal life. Jesus said that eternal life is this, that you know God and know the Son. First John chapter 5, verse 20, John said this, we know that the Son is come. And he's given us, he, talking about the Son, hath given us, talking about the born-again believers, an understanding. Isn't that right? Yeah. What kind of understanding? What's what your Bible said? Giving us an understanding that we may know him that is true. Mm. And we are in him that is true. You know who that's talking about? That's It's a beautiful thing. We've looked a lot at it. It's a beautiful thing to say that we're in Christ and Christ in us, but that's not what John's talking about. That's not what he's talking about. Watch what he said. In him, what he said that we may know him that is true and that we're in him that is true, even in his, talking about the one that is true, Son, Jesus Christ. Here's what John's saying. Not only can we know him, God the Father, but John said we're in him. Y'all ain't getting there. Not only can I know him now, John said I'm in him. You say, preacher, how can that be? Well, when I got put in Jesus Christ, baptized by the Holy Ghost in the body of Christ, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, these three are one. Yeah. Is that right? That's right. 
The Holy Ghost, every born again believer is indwelled by the Holy Ghost. All right? Yeah. And we're baptized in the body of Christ. And according to 1 John 5 20, we're also put in the body of God the Father. Well, don't get excited about that. I mean, that just means that you're, that all three parts of the Godhead are uh, keeping you eternally secure. Don't get excited about any of that, but that, that's pretty exciting to me. Yeah. Right? So here's the key. How can he be unknowable and knowable? Well, let's look at it quickly and we'll move on, all right? The answer to the question, can we know God? The answer is, God is both incomprehensible as well as knowable. Now, some will say, I've got books in there that I've read this week, and some of them say this, that the scriptures contradict themselves. That one place it says you can know them, another place it says you can't know them, that that's a contradiction. Well, we've already dealt with scripture. That's why I felt that was important to deal with first. We know that's not true. Yeah. Because we saw last week, the Bible's infallible, and it's inerrant, and it's inspired, and it's preserved. So we know that it's not a contradiction. There are no contradictions in the Word of God. So there must be an answer. The truth is that man in his own self cannot know, understand, or comprehend who God the Father truly is. The key is found in 1 John 5.20. Here's the thing you must understand. In God sending his son to die for man, he made a way to reveal himself to man. All right? That we may truly know him. If it were not, remember we talked about the the very beginning, we started with the the revelation. We talked about uh, how God revealed himself in the Old Testament. We talked about dreams and visions and all those things and how that now, the Bible said in Hebrews that uh, now God hath spoken to us by his son. We talked about how that now we have the the literal word, the the, the incarnate word in Christ. Then we have the written word of God. And that's how God speaks to you and I. And let me say this. Without that, man cannot understand God. Jesus, remember what he told the disciples? If you've seen me, you've seen God the Father. And if you've known me, you've known God the Father. And God also now has given us a written word whereby he reveals himself. John, if God had not chosen to reveal himself to us, we could know nothing of him. Man in himself cannot know God. But because God has chosen to reveal himself to us through us. What's your Bible said? First John 5 20. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us an understanding. Has given us. That means we didn't have it before. Is that right? Amen. He's given us an understanding that we may know him that is true. We are in him that is true. Even in the Son Jesus Christ. This is the true God and eternal life. God, if God had not chosen to reveal himself to us, we couldn't know him. But aren't you glad that he did? Yeah. Aren't you glad tonight that in ourselves we cannot know God? We cannot comprehend it. But through his son and through the word of God, God hath chosen to reveal himself to you and I. Ain't that a blessing? Everything we're going to see over these next few weeks about the doctrines of God is going to come from the word of God. God's word to reveal himself to mankind. That's what the purpose of the Bible is, to reveal himself to mankind. What a blessing. Yeah. I don't know if y'all get there or not. That excites me. 
Uh, let me say this. With that being said, let's look at some of the things that we can know about God. Now, I got a little bit more of an introduction. I, I know I'm not going to get done. I've got about 14 things I want to tell you, uh, but I just brought three of them with me because I know I'm not going to get. I'm not going to get done with three, to be honest with you. Okay. Uh, but let me say this. I want to look tonight and start looking at some attributes of God the Father. Now, as we begin looking at the attributes of God, we must understand the crucial truth. Now, don't, if you're going to get anything else, I want you to get this, all right? Each attribute that's attributed to God the Father in Scripture, I'm going to give you scripture for everyone of them. Each attribute that's attributed to God the Father is not a component or a part of God and his character. But rather, each attribute describes his total being. Here's what I mean by that. If I said, uh, for example, God is love, right? Is that true? God is love. But can I say this? It can be better said. Well, that's true. God is love. It could be better said, God is love. Yeah. Right. All right. Now, I couldn't say that about Ronald. I couldn't say Ronald is love. I might could say Ronald is a loving person, but I couldn't say Ronald is love. Yeah. All right? Because just there's things that I could say Chris Moore is a hard worker, but I couldn't say he's hard work. Right? Leona might disagree with that statement. <laughs> but... Uh, but you see what I'm saying? That's just one part. That's one component of who he is. Yeah. That's not how it is with God. That's one attribute that Chris has. But the attributes of God, it's not just that he at times is loving. It's the fact that he encompasses everything about love. Are you with me? Yeah. It's not just that he's gracious. He is grace. Are you with me? You with, are you with that? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Let, me, let me go a little bit farther with it. All right. Uh, love would not simply be a part of his character, but God in his entire being is in fact love. Now, here's what I mean by that. While at times, God may display one attribute over another. Now, if Kenny went out tonight and just committed these horrible, gross sins, I mean just awful things, but by his testimony, I believe King be saved, and I believe God would chasten him and uh, punish him, if you would. He would. There would be conviction and chastening uh, uh, for committing those gross sins. Is that right? Yeah. But even in that, God still loved. That's right. Yeah. While at that moment. Kenny may see the judgment and the wrath of God does not change the fact God still loves. That's right. All right? Yeah. And even when he's showing love, that doesn't change the fact he's still holy. That's right. You with me? While there are times we see different attributes displayed by God, they all encompass his being. You with me? Yeah. There's never a time God is not loved. Even in judgment, he still is love. That's right, yeah. And even in love, he's still judging. Yeah. Yeah. Right? And even in mercy, he's still holy. Yeah. 
There's never a time he's not holy. There's never a time he's not loving. There's never a time he's not these things. While we may not always see it displayed in our lives, and it's always he always encompasses all these things. Uh, best of all, I say it's like this. It's not just what he does. It's literally who he is. Yeah. It's not just like he's loving. He is love. Yeah. Not just he's merciful. He is mercy. Right. Uh, it, it, it's, yeah. it's not just a part and a component but it literally is the makeup of who that he is. Uh, while at times God may display one attribute over another, any given time no individual attribute is independent or dominant over any of the others. Meaning this, uh, I said a minute ago, even when God displays his wrath, he still loved. When he shows his love, he does not abandon his holiness. Now, we know that all the attributes of God come from the revelation of God. We talked about that a minute ago. Now, what a glorious truth to know that God himself in his word has shown us his attributes so that we can know him. He wants us to know him. He wants us to know who he is. Now, we'll look in greater detail later about the doctrine of the Trinity. But for now, let me just say this, that each attribute that we'll see in association of God the Father are applied equally to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So when we see here in just a minute, we're going, first thing we're going to look at is the fact that God is eternal, right? Yeah. Can I say this? God the Son is eternal too. Yeah. God the Holy Ghost is eternal. Yeah. These three are one. Every attribute for God the Father can be applied and is applied equally to the other parts of the Trinity. Uh, all attributes describe each of them individually as well as together. All right, let's look at some attributes. Number one. God is eternal. Turn me to Psalm chapter 90. Psalm 90, just a moment. And uh, I know we're going to have a lot of turning, but I want you to see these things uh, quickly, and then we'll, we'll try to hurry, okay? Psalm 90, real quick. Psalm 90, begin reading in verse number 1. Psalm 90 and verse number 1. The Bible said, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. What a statement. Psalmist said, in every generation, you've been our dwelling place. Watch verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. What about that? Yeah. What a statement. Right. What a statement. The psalmist said, watch this, verse 2. Before the mountains, were brought forward. What he said? For the first mountain never stood up on the earth. You was there. All right? What's what he said? Say, preachers, you get married now? Absolutely. Or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world. <coughs> the psalmist said, Before the first mountain never stood up, you was there. For you ever formed the earth, for you ever formed the world, you was there. Isn't that right? What's what he said? Even from everlasting to everlasting. Thou art God. I like that word art. You know what that is? That's a present tense verb. You know what he's saying? He's literally saying, as everlasting backwards and everlasting forward. Is that right? What, what is it? The inner ties are bunny talks about how long that 
God, I'm glad God's better than that, aren't you? Yeah. From everlasting, as far as far back as you can go, and farther than that, as far forward as you can go, and farther than that, uh, uh, the psalmist said, "From everlasting to everlasting, Thou art God." Present yeah. tense. Know what he said? In the everlasting of the past, Thou art God. Yeah. The everlasting of the future. Thou art God. At yeah. every single point of time in between, Thou art God. Yeah. Is that right? God, help me, that excites me. God is eternal. The fact that God is eternal means that God exists endlessly. His existence extends endlessly backwards as well as forwards from our viewpoint of time without any interruption or limitation. The fact that God is self-existent must also be taken into consideration when considering the eternality of God the Father. And what I mean by that is this. When you realize He's eternal, you might as well just go ahead and lump in there He's self-existent. You with me? Yeah. Because if He was God as far back as everlasting, that means there's no end to it. Never was a time that, never was a time He was not. Genesis 1.1, 1, 1, what a statement we overlook a lot of times. In the beginning, God. Yeah. Do you realize that, I'm not saying it's wrong, but do you realize it's true. That's absolutely true. But even before the beginning, God. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's right? What Moses was saying under inspiration of the Holy Ghost was when God began this world, He was there. Yeah. And I'm glad He was there long before then. There was no time God was not. You said, first of all, I can't understand that Jordan Club, but it's true. Yeah. yeah. All right? There never was a time wrong he was not. And there never was somebody that created him. Yeah. All right? Right. If he always has been, nobody created him. Yeah. What that tells me? Nobody had to create him. Right. Nobody keeps him running. Right. All right? Before the first mountain never stood out, God was. Yeah. Before He created the world, before He created the earth, before He created the universe, uh, God hit me before He created the galaxies and the stars and the planets and all those things. He was. Uh, he's self-existent. Right. I got news flashes, a whole lot of Baptists just break their heart, but He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. Right, right. He was before me. He was after you. Isn't yeah. that right? Isn't that right? He doesn't need us tonight. He doesn't need the world. Yep. He doesn't need it. He's like, we're talking about that. He doesn't. He was God before the world was. Right. Right. If the mountains were to crumble tonight and the sea was to dry up uh, and the sun was to explode, uh, he'd still be God uh, because he was God before any of that was anyway. Isn't that right. He self-existed. Yeah. He doesn't need me or you or anybody or anything else. He's eternal and he's self-existent. He is, God help me, this excites me. He is eternally self-existent. What about that? Always has been, always will be. Never has needed nobody or anything else. Never will need nobody or anything else. What a God. Isn't that right? What a God. I'm glad tonight, let me just stop by and say this. 
I probably ain't got about 10 more minutes to preach my way. And I ain't going to get halfway done. So I'm just going to say this while it's on my mind. Uh, I sure am glad, Kirk, I don't have some little God. Uh, somebody carved out a piece of wood. Uh, or carved out a rock somewhere. Uh, I'm glad, thank God, He's eternal. Uh, and He's self-existent. Uh, he doesn't need me and He doesn't need you. Uh, amen, friend, that's right. Uh, uh, he was not created. Uh, uh, but rather, He is the Creator of all. Uh, and He's eternal. And self-existent this is what a God my 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 he is eternally and endlessly self-existent he never never was a time he came into existence nor was he ever caused to exist nobody one day saw a need and decided to make God he just always has been right Genesis 21.33, you don't have to turn. I found this interesting studying this week. Genesis 21.33, the Bible said, And Abraham planted a grove in Beersheba and called there on the name of the Lord, capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D, that's Jehovah. Then it said, The everlasting God. That phrase in verse 33, the everlasting God. In Hebrew, it is the Hebrew words, El Olam, which comes from an original form that literally means this, the God of eternity. What about that? Mm. He is, not only is he eternal, but according to, according to, the, uh, to the original, the, the Hebrew there, they were literally saying not only is he the everlasting God, though he is, but he's the God of eternity. Yeah. Hey, right? He was the God way back in everlasting. And he'll still be God way up in the everlasting. Yeah. He's the God of eternity. What about that? Number two, I want to say this. God is independent. They said, Preacher, what do you mean by that? Isaiah 40, verse 13. Tell me there real quick. Isaiah 40 and verse number 13. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse number 13 tonight. Isaiah 40, verse number 3. Well, let's just read verse 12 because I like it. The Bible said, Who hath measured the waters in the hollow of his hand, meted out heaven with the span, comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, and weighed in the mountains and scales and the hills in a balance. Verse 13, listen to this. Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord, or being his counselor, hath taught him? Verse 14, notice this. With whom took he counsel? Who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment? Taught him knowledge and showed to him the way of understanding. Here's what Isaiah said. Verse 12, who's measured the waters in the hollow of his hand? Here's what he said. All the waters of the world. Now I'm talking about of the, of the entire universe, everything creation. They tell me, John, there's more water above our head than there is in the ocean. I mean, they, now all the waters, Isaiah said, God just holds that in the hollow of his hand. Yeah. He measures it in the hollow. I like that and meet it out to heaven with the span. The span is from that junction right there, uh, the, that little piece of skin between your index and thumb, all the way over here to the, to the knuckle on your pinky. That's a span. Here's what Isaiah's saying. When God created all the universe, all the stars, all the galaxies, all the heavens, here's what he did. That's about big enough. <laughs> That's what he's saying. Yeah. Held up his hands and said, That's about big. Meet it out the heavens, cast out the heavens with a span. Yeah. Is that right? So said, That's about big enough. The span of his hand. Y'all ain't getting that excitement. Yeah. 
Here's what Isaiah said. What's this? Verse number, uh, verse number 13. Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord? Or been his counselors taught him? Here's what Isaiah said. He made out the heavenly span, comprehended the dust of the earth in a measure, weighed the mountains and scales, healed the mouth. All these things that God has done. Isaiah said, who taught him how to do that? Who showed him how to do that? Who was it, John? If he is, if he's eternal, he always has been, always will be. Who was it that told him how to meet out the heavens of the span? Yeah. Who was it told him how to hold the waters? Y'all ain't getting that in the hollow of his hand. Who was it told him how to comprehend the sand that's on the shore? Yeah. Who was it told him how to weigh the mountains and the scale and the hills and a balance? Who told him how to do all these things? Yeah. Who was it that taught him? Was it you? Was it me? But who taught him how to do these things? Who was it one day, Ronald, that told him how to step out on nothing and speak everything into existence? Who taught him how to do all these things? Who's his counselor? Who taught him and gave him this understanding? Watch what he said. Y'all ain't getting that boy. I like it. Watch what he said. Verse number 13. The Bible said, Who hath directed the Spirit of the Lord to be his counselor? Who taught him? Verse 14. With whom took he counsel? Who did he go ask how to do this? Mm. Who instructed him and taught him in the path of judgment? Taught him knowledge and showed him the way of understanding. Who did he talk to? Who showed him how to do all that? You know what I'm saying is I'm looking for somebody stand up and say, nobody. Yeah. All right? He's independent. He is not tonight dependent on me and you. Right. Not dependent on anybody to teach him. Nobody taught him how to do this. He's the God of eternity. He always has been, and he always will be. Right. Never was a time, John, he had to go and ask for help. Amen. Never was a time somebody came up and said, if I was you, I'd do it like this. He didn't need it. Is that right? That's right. He, he's not learning as he went along. He, are you with me? He's yeah. independent. He doesn't need me. He doesn't need you. And boy, that, I'll be honest with you, that kind of convicted me just a little bit this week because Nancy, I'm just being honest. Sometimes I'm not careful. I find myself saying, Lord, I think you ought to do this or why don't you do that? He doesn't need me to tell him what to do. Uh, he didn't ask me what to do when he caught when he meet out the heavens with a span. Uh, he didn't need my advice there. Uh, he didn't need my advice when he created all the creeping things and the atmosphere and the sun. They tell me that if the sun was three feet closer than it is right now, we'd burn up. Do you know that? Yeah. And if it's about five feet farther back than it is right now, we'd freeze to death. He didn't ask me where to put it. He just knew. Yeah. All right? That, that does something to me. That thrills my soul. Uh, he didn't ask nobody else. He didn't need help. Uh, he is independent. Not only is he eternal, but I will say he's independent. Let me say this. By independent, I mean that God is not dependent or accountable to his creation or the creatures. Isaiah shows us that no one was able to instruct and teach God. He is independent. That having been said, God is not obligated to you and I in any way Unless he chooses to be. Let that sink in just now. Bible says, For whosoever's couple in the name of the Lord shall be saved. God's obligated. He is obligated to keep his word. He didn't do that because I deserved it. He didn't do that because I told him to do it. He chose to obligate himself to me. Are y'all getting that? 
the God that made it out the heavens with a span obligated himself that if you'd ask him to save you, he'd do it. Yeah. What about that? What a God. The God that nobody counseled, nobody talked, nobody instructed, didn't need anybody else, yet he obligates himself. Yeah. He's not obligated tonight. There's a lot of things that I wish he'd do. There's a lot of things, I'll be honest, I, I, I don't accept. There's a lot of things I want him to do. He's not obligated to do those things. There are areas where God himself obligates himself to you and I because he chooses to do so. Yeah. What a blessing. Psalmist said it like this, What is man that thou art mindful of him? My, my, my. We say this, uh, he's not obligated anyway unless he chooses to initiate the obligation. He does not have to do anything for us unless he chooses to do so. Realizing that, we must understand this. We can't put him in our debt. Now, I know it's going to bog down, and I hate we're going to stop right here, but we, we, I don't think we'll have time to get the rest of it. You know what I've heard people say before? Lord, if you'll do this, I'll do something for you. Yeah. That's foolish. I'm sorry, but that's foolish. I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I'm not trying to be ugly. But he is independent. Yeah. He doesn't need me to do it. Right. If I if I got frustrated tonight, John, and shut my Bible and said, Lord, I'm done, I'm never preaching again. Let me tell you something. There's not going to be an earthquake in heaven. Yeah. God's not going to uh, God's not going to sit up there and wring his hands and wonder what he's going to do. He doesn't need me. Right. He chooses. Are you with me? Yeah. He chose. I didn't make it till April the first. Ten years ago, I surrendered the call to preach April the 1st. And he chose, Kurt, to, to, to put that calling upon my... He doesn't need me to do that. I, he chose to do that. Isn't that right? And if I quit today, it won't hinder the gospel one bit. Right. That's right. Yeah. I hate to say it, but if we shut the doors tonight, throw away the key, and Blue Ridge Baptist Church never host another service, the gospel will not be permitted. That's right. right. It's foolish tonight. Say, Lord, if you'll do this for me. You're trying to take the God that needed no one to teach him, no one to instruct him, and say, You owe me. That's foolish. Yeah. I'm sorry, but it is. That's foolish to look God the Father in the face and say, You owe me. My so how we are to stop and realize we had nothing to offer. Right. We couldn't even know him had he not been able to been willing to reveal himself to us. He was obligated to save us. He chose to obligate himself. Isn't that right? Yeah. It's not him that owes us. It's us that owes him. Yeah. It ought to be our privilege to get to do something for him. Yeah. Yeah. It ought not be a restriction when he puts a song on our heart or a testimony or something in our life he wants us to do. We ought not say, Lord, if you get somebody else to do this, sir. Lord, if you'll answer this prayer, God help us. Uh, of the God of all glory that's independent needs yeah. no one or anything uh, uh, chose to allow you and I uh, to do something for him we owe him tonight not the other yeah, way. Right. he is not obligated we cannot indebt him to us it, it ought to be us that's indebted to him and not the other way away. And I will say this will you let me hurry real quick and finish just, it won't take me just, just a few minutes I will say thirdly tonight God is holy oh. Is that right 
Leviticus 11, 45, you don't have to turn, here's what the Bible said. For I am the Lord that bringeth you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Ye shall therefore be holy, for I am holy. Over and over again in the Old Testament, especially in the book of Leviticus, you said the book of Leviticus, and over and over again you'll find that phrase, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Seems like the Old Testament, especially in the book of Leviticus, we see the truth that God is holy. Seems that for some reason God especially wanted in the Old Testament for men to understand that He was in fact holy. Now, with that being said, we've got to find what holiness is. The fact that God is holy signifies that He is separate from all that is unclean and evil. And also that He is absolutely pure, therefore He is distinct from all others. One writer explained it this way. I thought this was a good illustration. They asked this question. What does it mean to be healthy? If I looked at you and said, are you healthy? What would you consider? Here's what he said. It is the absence of illness. Right? Yeah. You're not sick tonight. You, you can't be sick and be healthy. Right? Yeah. But he said this. It's the absence of illness, but also a positive infusion of energy. You may not be sick, but if you don't feel like getting up off the couch every day, you're probably not healthy. Right? Yeah, yeah. He said to be healthy, you got to be without illness, without sickness. you got to feel pretty good, too. That's what it is to be healthy. He said like this, holiness is not only the absence of evil, but also <coughs> the, the presence of purity. It's not just that God is holy and there is no evil in him. But it's the fact that God is holy, there is no there is no sin, there is no evil, there is no wickedness, but also he is righteous. Is that right? It is the opposite of all that is bad, all that is sin. And he his very being is made up of holiness, of righteousness. Isn't that right? When it comes to holiness of God, we must realize his actions are always holy. His will is always holy. He is always holy in his nature, and his very being is always pure and holy. I don't know if you got that. Let me read that one more time. When it comes to the holiness of God, we must realize his actions are always holy. There's times that God lets things happen. I don't understand why he did it, but it's holy. Yeah. Is that right? He was holy in whatever he did, right? Yeah. His will is always holy. I'll be honest with you, these times his will and my will are the same thing. But I'm sure his will is holy. Yeah. And in being holy, what I mean by that is this, it's without sin, and it is righteous. It's not wrong, and it is right. You with me? Yeah. His very uh, nature is always holy, <laughs> and his being is always pure and holy. It is this attribute of the holiness of God that separates all sinners from God. That's the problem right there. Adam sinned in the garden, sin in the world, death by sin. That tore the rip. God is holy. And the definition of holiness is to be separate from all things unclean, all things wicked, all things evil. When sin in the world, death by sin. Bible teaches that all men are under the curse of Adam. Because of Adam's sin, we're all cursed. We're under the curse of sin because of the sin of Adam. That put a rift between God and man. All men are sinners. Therefore cannot come to God unless there's a way, thank God, help me. All men are sinners and therefore cannot come to God 
Unless there's a way found to make them holy as well. Let that sink in this man. Use born under the condemnation of sin. Every last man and woman born girl is. Born under the condemnation of sin. And cannot come to God unless there's some way made to make you as holy as God is. Yeah. Is that right? Because God's holy. That separates him from all things wicked, all things sinful. Mm. I will say this. Thank God the way was made in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm hurting. I promise. We understand this doctrine of holiness of God. It should make those of us who are saved aware and sensitive to our own sin. Now, as far as our, as far as our uh, state, if you've been saved tonight, you're as holy as God is. Right? You're, you've been saved. You're as holy as God is. But our standing changes. Right? I'll give you an example. Them boys back yonder are mine. Know how I know my blood runs through their veins. Right? Yeah. It's Wednesday night. You're about to die on me, so I might as well just shock you out of it. Okay? If they grow up and commit murder, become homosexual, go change their name, disown me, change their last name to something else, and say they don't want nothing to do with me ever again. Let me tell you something. They're still yeah, my boys. Yeah. Right? That right? Yeah, right. But can I say this? If they did all those things, they're still mine, and I still love them. That cannot, if they change their name, John, they're still mine. Can I say this? My fellowship with them is going to change. Yeah. My relationship does not change. My fellowship changes. Yeah. I'm not going to have I could not, John, be right with the Lord myself and endorse them being homosexual. I couldn't do that. That right? Yeah. You with me? Yeah. Don't bog down on me. I don't, I don't know why that's so touchy. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just telling you. I, I couldn't endorse it. I couldn't tell them what they were doing was right. That affect our, relate, our, our, our fellowship. They'd still be my son. Yeah. that right? You realize when you got saved by the grace of God, the blood of Christ made you as holy as God himself. God looks at you. He sees you as holy as his son and as himself. But from day to day, our sin, that's our relationship. Day to day, our sin breaks that fellowship. All right? Yeah. Here's what I'm saying. Listen to me. When we realize the holiness of God, it should make us, it should make us see and be sensitive uh, to our own sin. We're saved. The holiness of God becomes a standard for the believer's life and their conduct. First John chapter 1, verse 6 and 7. The Bible says this, If we say that we have fellowship with him, not relationship, fellowship with him. And walk in darkness, we lie, do not the truth. But if we walk in the light, it says in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ his son cleanseth us from all sin. We'll say it like this. I'm almost done, I promise. So many times it seems that Christians want to know what's permitted and acceptable in the Christian life. Let me give you an example quickly. I know it's getting late. I, I, I promise you, I'm just about done. I've just got about three or four sentences on my face. It won't be more than 30 minutes. I'm just be going <laughs> Listen, the other day I had, a, I had a teenage boy ask me a question. He asked me, uh, well, I've had this question posed to me several times. I don't ever tell me why they're asking, but I'm assuming they probably asked mom and daddy, and mom and daddy told them no, so they're asking me to find out if I'll say something different. But I, I, several times through that the years I've had teenagers ask me something like this. 
My husband asked me uh, a couple weeks ago, they said, uh, would it be wrong if nothing happens, nothing at all, would it be wrong if I drove over to my girlfriend's house and spent the night? Here's what I, I told them. What they were saying was, I'll admit it, what they're saying is, that don't fall out of me, I'm just going to say this. If you've got to ask, it's probably wrong. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. They're right. Amen. I ain't never asked somebody if I were to change my youngest diaper. You with <laughs> me? Yeah. I ain't never asked, is it all right if I go eat? When I ask, most of the time there's already something in my mind telling me it probably ain't what you need to be doing. No way, right? Yeah. But here's what I told them. I'll just tell you. I said, well, I said, you go over there and nothing in the world happened. Here's what the Bible said. Abstain from all appearance of eating. Yeah. And I said, I can go out here and sit on the front steps of the church and drink sweet tea out of a Bud Light can and not be doing nothing wrong. But everybody drove up in the road be thinking I was doing something wrong. Yeah. yeah. That right? Yeah, right? You with me? Yeah. i give you another example. You're waking up on me, so I better keep your attention while I can. Uh, there's a coffee shop over in Elkin. And to get to that coffee shop... Kirk, you've got to go through the ABC store's parking lot. Mm -hmm. Now, some of you might have been if you did. I act on that with you. But I ain't going to go to that coffee shop. Because I tell you what happened. God has stole my life. The one time I went, Chris Moore, somebody come down, could be over in Elkin, come down through there, they say, what in the world is the preacher doing coming out of the ABC store? There happened. That's right. There's a restaurant over Shetton Vineyards. A restaurant where you go get something to eat. Is that right? Yeah. But you ain't going to see me there. Because it'd be my luck I'd be coming out of the restaurant. You'd see me pulling out the gate of Shepherd Mary's. What would you say? What's the preacher doing? Then there's Shepherd Mary. Ain't that right? Yeah. Don't die on me. Stay from the appearance of evil. But that's what we ask ourselves. What can we do? How far can we go? No, we want to ask ourselves. We understand God is, He said, Be ye holy, for I am well, we ought to ask ourselves is this. Not is it permitted. We ought to say, is it holy? Yeah. Is that right? right? Is it holy? Now, that doesn't just mean it's not sinful. That means it's right. Yeah. That right? God is holy. That doesn't mean he does not know that he can't sin. But it means that he's righteous in everything that he does. No sin, no fault, no failure. But he's right in everything that he does. We ought to say, is it holy? Oh, it's solve a whole lot of things. It's solve a lot in our country if we just get to asking, is it holy? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not is it permitted, but is it holy? Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Not is it legal, but is it holy? Isn't that right? Solve a lot in our churches if we just say, is it holy? Not is it, can we, can we make it sound all right, but is it holy? It's solve a lot in our homes if we just say, is it holy? All right, are you with me? Yeah. That's the question we're going to ask ourselves. Let me hurry. I'm quick. First Peter chapter one verse fifteen and sixteen. Here's what Peter said: But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner conversation. Peter said, in everything you do, you ought to be holy, because the one that called you is holy. All right, that's what he said. But as he which hath called you is holy, so be ye holy in all manner conversation. Verse 16, because as it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. That's the standard tonight from child of God. Now, I will say this. We cannot and will not always measure up to it. But I tell you what the danger comes in when we start trying to compromise it. Let one of us tonight, when we live our life, completely holy. We're yeah. not God. 
All right? But the danger is when we start compromising it. And I'm not trying to be ugly, but the day and age which we live is a result of compromise of the standard on the child of God. Right. I don't expect the world to be holy. Yeah. I don't expect the world to ask what's holy. Do you? But what breaks my heart, God hit me. I just feel like preaching a little while. What breaks my heart, I, I, you know I've been here three years, I never said oh, nothing about politics. But you know what breaks my heart? I've heard Christian people look me right in my eyes and tell me that they were voting for such and such. And I'd look at them and I'd say, how can you do that? Here's what they'd say. If they'll pay it in my pocketbook, that's fine with me. You know what's happened? Somewhere along the way, we started looking at what was convenient instead of what was holy. Yeah, that's right. Is that right? Is right? We've compromised the standard for the child of God for what's convenient. Yeah, Can I tell you something this to me? Had a man not too long ago tell me, he said, you are just compromising, this is exact words, if you just compromise a little bit at church and bust the scenes, it'd be out there. Can I tell you something? At what cost? Yeah. At what cost? Are you with me? Right, yeah. At what cost? The church isn't supposed to look like the world. Right. The church is supposed to, God help me. Peter said the church is supposed to look like the one they called them and be holy. Isn't that right? Yeah, uh, yeah. And holiness has no fellowship with unholiness. Uh, God separated himself from man uh, because man was a sinner uh, but made a way for man to be reconciled. You know what the job of the church is? Uh, we're to be separate from the world. The Bible said come out from among the world and be as separate, saith the Lord. Yeah. Isn't that right? We're not supposed to be like the world. Uh, but it is our job to live in in the world uh, and tell the world of one that can reconcile them back to God. Isn't that right? Yeah, That's the right. job of the church. Oh my, what a what a joy to know that God is holy. Let's stand our feet. Get the